Okay, so we've been in a series about a place between the then and there, and I have these signs up there, just keep them up to remind us, right? The then, the there, and the here and now. This place is not a physical location, but if you have experienced a moment in your life when you have found yourself between a promise spoken and a promise fulfilled, where life takes you to the unexpected, where the news you hear shatters your world, you move from the known to the unknown, from the comfortable to the uncomfortable and the unfamiliar. This place in this series, we've called in this place the land between. And in that land between, what we want to do is we want to find God in these difficult transitions. There are transitions that happen in your life, whether it's a news, whether it's a breakup, whether it's, um, you know, financially, this pandemic has been a transition for us. Many of us have had to adjust the way we live, the way we interact. And one of the things that my kids tell me in high school as I speak to them on Zoom is that I miss you, Mr. Rodriguez. I miss coming to your room and asking you for food. <laughs> you know? Oh, oh I, I miss, you know, just being around the hallways and my friends. I miss that stuff. And a lot of them are disengaging because they don't, they don't see school on Zoom. They don't see school on Google Meeks. They don't see it. They need that interaction. And when we find ourselves in these places, right, that we find this place in this here and now that we find ourselves, it's uncomfortable. It's unfamiliar. And because of that, we begin to struggle with, what, what am I doing here? How, what do I, how do I respond? Now, this land between, like I said, it's not, a physical, it's not a physical place. But we hope that throughout this series, you will allow yourself to recognize that when this time comes, now you hear me, it's not if, it's when. Because it's coming. You're either in it now, like myself, right? I'm in this transition about what do I do next, God? Right? Like, like where am I? I just hit my 60th birthday, and for me, every, every birthday now is really important to me because I'm sober, right? And, and I'm in touch with a lot of feelings, and fleetings flood in. Anybody? Anniversaries, birthdays, right? The, the remembrance of a loved one that's not here no more. All those things flood us, and we kind of begin to, you know, feel a sense of blah, like, oh, man, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to go out, you know? So just be mindful that this time will come. But you have to be mindful that when it comes, what we want everyone to experience is a deeper faith. To allow your faith to grow in these moments. So in the last three weeks, we've learned some things, right? The first week, Pastor Zach spoke about being in touch and being aware with the moment, right? Like we're here. Abruptly or subtly, we've arrived at this here and now. The place between then and now. The place between being comfortable and being uncomfortable. We've landed in this place now. So he wants us to be awake, own the moment, be fully in touch. What happens a lot of times is that people, um, um, they get numb to it, right? They, they're like, oh man, how did I get here, <laughs> right? Listen, if your marriage is on the rocks, it didn't get there overnight. If you had a sudden breakup, you think it's sudden, but here's what I know for sure. Women know long before you do, okay? <laughs> So get the signals, <laughs> all right? So, so, so if you're going through this thing and you find yourself, so the first thing you said, we have to be awake. The week after that, I said, okay, so we're prone, as you're going to see in our text in Numbers chapter 11, that we're prone that we find ourselves in this moment that we complain, right? We're prone to complaining. Now, remember that God does his best work in this place where you're at a transition, 
In this place where your life is difficult, there are things now that you have to, you, you have, people grasp for things, right? To make sense. When you're slipping, you, you want to grab a rope. You want to grab a lifeline. Amen? So the first thing is be awake. The next thing is evict, complain, and invite trust. Right? Let's get complain out of here. I, I don't need to be in that state of mind. Because I got to tell you something. When I complain, I blame everybody. Everybody. It's not my fault. It's your fault. You shouldn't have done this. You shouldn't have done that. You know what? Like, I can go through that whole thing. Listen, I have a whole list. Right? So we're going to evict complain and move trust in. Right? Because if you evict something, you have to move something in. People don't realize it takes 21 days to get rid of a habit, and your mistake is you don't replace it with anything so the habit comes back. And the Bible is clear also that when you get saved, when you get clean, guess what? You got to be about his business. You got to be in prayer. You got to be in his word. You got to be in fellowship. You got to be doing these things that are spiritually now going to feed you. Because what happens is if, if you don't do those things, that which left you, when it returns, comes back stronger. Amen? And then last week, we talked about listen up. That in the midst of this moment that you don't get caught up with the mob mentality and the majority and what they're saying and what they're doing because what happens is you lose yourself. You lose what you believe because everybody's throwing a rock, so now you're like, oh, I'm going to throw a rock too. <laughs> right? Everybody's running, so now you're going to run. You're not thinking, why am I running with them? Why am I throwing a rock with them? It's because you get caught up in that psychology. You say everybody, they're far, everybody's screaming, everybody's yelling, and you jump into that fray, and in this moment where you find yourself in the here and now, you don't want to do what everybody else is doing. You want to be able to hear what God is telling you at that moment. And what I've heard a lot of times when I find myself in that moment is to be still. You know what we want to do, right? We want to do something. We want to put on our Home Depot belt. We want to fix something. And, and that's not what he's telling For me personally, when I find myself in those moments, God has been telling me, yo, be still. Where are you going? What are you doing? Again, this place is where your faith is either going to go to thrive or die. And we're hoping that it thrives. We're hoping that your reliance in these moments, remember this, this is not our final destination. In the book, of the Bible that, that we're reading and, and the book that we're studying, which is Numbers chapter 11, the people find themselves in this place, but they somehow forgot that the promise that was made was a land flowing with milk and honey, not a desert. Not a desert. And, and you have to be mindful also that God has a future and a hope for all of us. And it's not for us to lay in this barren place where nothing is happening, but it's here that he's going to do his best work in your life, for you, through you, and around you. Amen? Do you remember that? Don't let your faith die in these moments. So this week, we'll be looking at our text again, Numbers chapter 11. That's where we are. That's where we've camped out. We're adding other scriptures, bringing other scriptures in, maybe other references, as you'll see today. But I want you to continue to look at that story and how it developed. Amen? And keep in mind that God does his back work in us and through us in these difficult transitions. Here's what you cannot miss. When you find yourself in the here and now, you cannot miss his presence. He's there. You cannot miss his provision. These people forgot. They didn't starve. They were fed. It wasn't what you wanted. 
right? But it was food constantly that was helping you along the way. His protection. His protection. In this place, these are the things that sometimes we forget. His presence, his provision, his protection, and his power. Come on now. Listen to me. The God who saved you is the God who keep you. The God who saved you is the God who will keep you. So he saved you. You think he's going to leave you alone now? He know you're a more jar of clay. He know you can't do it on your own. We see the story happening in the Bible. He called these 12 crazy men. Come on now, crazy. Come on, stay with me. All right? He called these 12 crazy men. And the minute that things got difficult, the minute they found themselves in that transitional moment, you know what they did? Boom. You know about that. You're my friend, but something happened. Where are you? <laughs> right? And that's what happened. And he knew that they needed something more, and that's why his presence and his power and his provision, his protection, you cannot miss it at that moment because he is always there. We need to take off those dark shades so that we can see him and say, oh, there you are. Thank you. I thought I was alone. I thought you forgot about me. You think God suffers from amnesia? You think God forgot about you? You think that every tear that you've shed, every moment you've gone through, every difficult time in your life, God hasn't been there for you? Why are you still here then? When you should have been dead, why are you still here? When you should have been destitute and homeless and busted. Like, why are you still here? You know why? Because he was there. And he made a way for you. Amen? We're going to go to Numbers chapter 11. Everybody can stand to their feet. Again, it's a custom for us to kind of stand to our feet to honor God's word because God's word is above everything. If you can stand, that's fine. If you can't stand, ma'am, I understand. Amen? But if you can stand, everybody's able-bodied. You got here, praise God. We're just going to get ready for God. Amen? Numbers chapter 11. Again, this is the text that we've been writing for a little bit. We're going to continue to do it. Normally in a series, that's how we do things, right? We stay in a text and we continue to build into it. And it says this. Now when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, for the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused. So the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some in the outskirts of the camp. Jump down to verse 10. Then Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, everyone at the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was greatly aroused. Moses was also displeased. So Moses said to the Lord, why have you afflicted your servant? And why have not found favor in your sight that you have laid the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I beget them? That you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a guardian carries a nursing child to the land which you swore to their fathers? Where am I to get meat to give to all these people? For they weep all over me. <laughs> Exaggeration, they're weeping all over him. Give us meat that we may eat. I am not able to bear all these people alone. Because the burden is too heavy for me if you treat me like this. Please kill me here and now. If I found favor in your sight and do not let me see my wretchedness. This is the reading of God's word. You may be seated. We put the scriptures up so that you can see them. But we also want to encourage you as you continue to be a part of this congregation part of Sunday that you bring your Bible so they're able to take notes and go back home and have a conversation with your family and your friends about what you heard, right? Most of the time you tell somebody where you've been, I've been in church, they ask you, how was it? And you're like, oh, it was great, it was fantastic, it was beautiful, the song, oh, that shirt the pastor had on, it was great. 
What did he say? Uh, he said something about Jesus. <laughs> That's normally the, the place you go, right? He said something about Jesus. And that's as far as you remember. So please, here's what I do know. The, what we're standing up here to do is not to show you how much we know or how much we don't know. It's to help us collectively as a community grow. Amen? Amen? Amen. So, so this time that we're talking about this here and now that, that will happen in your life or may be happening, there are some things we're trying to give you so that when you go through here, your faith thrives and it doesn't die. Amen? Because if anything you know, reading the Bible, listen to me, your faith will be tested. Right? You start, somebody start poking you to see if you got some patience, right? Somebody's going to start nudging you to see if you, you know, you're, you're growing in that area, right? So it's important for us to understand that. So, again, it's important because the more, the more I read this, the more I see this is a complaint, but it's also a form of prayer. Let me say why. So many of us read this and say to ourselves, I, I couldn't talk to God like this. Like Moses was saying. Like, like, he's saying, like, am I their father? Like, they're not my kids. They're your kids. <laughs> right? Like, you take care of them. Like, like right, right? So, so, but I want you to know that when you look at it and look at it as a form of prayer, there's a sense of transparency. There's a sense of honesty. It's finding yourself in that place and being completely honest with God. I don't know what to do, God. I, I don't know how to handle this, God. Because when you hear Moses say, man, if I found favor, you know, why don't you kill me? So God's favor is for him to, to kill you. That's his favor. So the more I see this, it's a level of honesty here that should serve as a reminder of our time spent with God. God already knows, but do you know? Do you know enough to articulate what you're going through so that you're able to say to God, God, this is where I'm at. I, you know, this is a mess. My kids are all over the place. My relationships are not working. My finances are all over the place. Like, I don't know how to handle this pandemic. I just got a pink slip. My unemployment is going to end. Look, and now the doctor tells me I'm sick. It's a form of honesty that you come forth before the God. And, and, and Moses is not complaining about God. Unlike the Israelites, they were complaining about God, his leader, the food, why you brought us out of here. You see where that can happen. When you find yourself in this here now, you can find yourself complaining, complaining, complaining. And what do we say? We're going to evict complain and invite trust into that moment. I'm going to trust in the God who made me a promise about being with me and keeping me and never abandoning me and never forsaking me. I'm a Jew. I'm a child of God. And listen, when you start remembering these things, then complaint has no place, but you learn how to be still and trust that his power, his provision, his protection, his presence is with you. It's for you. God is not against you. And I know sometimes it feels like, right? And we feel like overwhelmed. And that's what Moses felt at that moment. He felt overwhelmed. So his complaint for me as a form of prayer is just him being honest. He's just, you know, he's not coming there, oh, Father, I love you, thank you. No, he said, listen, I'm a mess. I don't know what's going on here with these people, but you better fix this. <laughs> like, like he's just being honest. 
And I think a lot of times we have these, these programmed prayers and, and we stop crying and we stop weeping because, you know, we don't want to mess up our makeup. You know, we don't see anybody drooling. No, listen to me. Your time with God should be honest and raw. It's you and him going at it. And then you being still and listening to what he has to say. Amen? You see, it wasn't God's plan for Moses to perish in the wilderness. In fact, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As same, as same understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Whew. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. In that place of the here and now, you need to do that inventory, that self-examination, and find out if there's something you need to repent about. Because if God got you there, God had to put a pause in your life to get you to look up. Amen? So it's important for us to realize that. How often, though, do we find ourselves, we find ourselves in this place, right, that we start using words like, oh, this is too much for me. Mm, this is too much for me. I, I can't take this. I just want to die. She left me. I just want to die. He doesn't want to be with me no more. That's it. And then, oh, I got no job. Oh, God. You know, we start going through this. I just want to die. Last time I was here, I shared with you my moment. And um, in all transparency, when I heard the words pre-cancer, all I heard was cancer. That's all I heard. The pre, I didn't hear the pre, I just heard cancer. And, 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 and what flooded my mind as a pastor, I've been at bedside many times with cancer patients. And I've seen it um, in my own family, and I see how it ravishes the body and saps you of life. So that's all I heard, and I have to be completely honest with you. I was scared. I was scared. When I heard that, this is fear that came over me. And mind you, I've read the Bible more than once. Numerous work. <laughs> Numerous books, seminary, you know, like all this stuff left and fear invaded this moment. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. That in this place, between the then and there, this here and now, this barren wilderness, where God does his best work, fear invades this moment and attempts to consume you. We start saying things like, this is too much for me. I can't, I can't take this. I just want to die. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know what's going to happen here. I don't know how much time I have left. And what fear wants us to do is to react. What it wants us to do is to react. Now, you know that when we react, there's not much thinking. Right? Like, like, we don't think at all when we react. In fact, that's why it's called reaction, right? You hit my elbow, my hand goes up, right? You hit my knee with that little, little hammer thing, and <laughs> my leg pops up, right? So we have to be mindful that there are things that happen when we react, and fear does this to us. Fear causes us to do these three things. One is flight. You've heard this before. This is not new to you. It's flight, right? Because you want to get out of here. You want to go. You want to run. 
I don't want to be here no more. This is uncomfortable, right? I don't like it. You promised. The promise is not being fulfilled. You're taking too long. I'm out of here. So I want to, I want to, fear just immediately floods my senses and I want to get out of here. The next thing is fright, right? Fright is, why is it that when you're crossing the street and the car is coming and you suddenly see it, what do you do? Why? Why do you stop when you should be running before that car hits you? It's that deer in the headlight moment, right? You, boom, and you get hit rather than taking off, right? So that's what it does. It causes us to, to fight and we freeze and in the here and now, we wind up being the stagnant people and we don't move. There's no movement. There's no activity. There's no prayer. There's no crying out to God. There's no praise. There's no reaching out to the fellowship that we have that's able to direct us when our minds are wandering. We get a brother or sister around us who's constantly in the word. They'll come to you and they'll be able to say, hey bro, remember what God said here? Let's pray together. And then fight. And this is the part that you have to be mindful of when you find yourself in this place. Who are we fighting? And normally who we fight is everybody around us. Everybody around us that may be there to help us. We're fighting them. Oh, you don't know what I'm going through. Oh, you don't, you don't care. Oh, you know, we start using words like that about the people around us who are looking for this fight. And let me just explain to you, the fight in this moment is not with flesh and blood. The fight in this moment is with the spirit. It's a spiritual battle you have to do. And the only way to engage in spiritual battle is through God's word and prayer and praise. That's the only way to engage the enemy at that moment. So when fear invades and wants to consume you, just be mindful that when these things come up, the last thing you want to do is flight, fright, or fight. And if you are going to fight, you should engage with spiritual weapons because it's spiritual warfare. Amen? Amen? So our response in this deeper faith is what we've just been talking about the last three weeks. The first one is awake. I want to be fully in the moment. I want to own it. I'm here, God, and I know you're here with me. So what is it you're going to do? What is it you want me to do? That should be our verbiage. That should be our conversations in that moment. We should evict complain and move in trust. I don't want to complain. What is complain going to do for me? It's going to make me miserable. It's going to make everybody around me miserable. You know what it's going to do? It's going to block God's blessing. Because he's going to sit there waiting. Stop. Let me know when you're ready. When you're done, when you're done complaining, I do it with my kids when they're young, right? Oh, you took my toy, did this. I said, let me know when you're done, bro. So we can solve the situation. Right? I, got, I used to have a little nephew who used to get so upset. He used to run in the aisles in the supermarket and throw himself in the air. My sister told me that once. I said, okay, I'll be over tomorrow. I'll take him to the supermarket with me. He did that. He started to complain about a toy he didn't get. Took him to the car. I left him in the car. I stayed outside. I said, let me know when you're done and we can talk. God is waiting for you to stop complaining in these moments so that he can do his work in you, through you, and for you. Remember, four things that are there always. His provision, his protection, his presence, his power. Never leaves you. Always with you. You have to find God in these difficult transitions. Why? Because if you don't, your faith will not thrive. It will die. And then next, we want you to listen up. Why do we want you to listen up? Because everybody has an opinion for your situation that didn't work for them. So the information they're giving you is misinformation because they have no history and it's proven and there's evidence that, that it works. 
but they want to give it to you. I, I love you, but I need to hear from God. So can you be quiet? Instead of it, it being a mask, can it be a muzzle? He just, don't say anything while I'm going through this. If you have anything to say, pray for me. Pray that God will reveal himself to me. Amen? It's important for us to understand this. Those are the things we want you to do when you're in that place. And it's important for us to understand this word. When fear tries to creep in, when it invades that moment, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and sound mind. Come on, let's all read this together. All of us at the count of three, let's read this together. Ready? Has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of a love and of a sound mind. Let's do that again. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. One more time. Come on, with a loud voice. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Come on now. When fear tries to invade that moment in the here and now, between the then and the there, God is not done. That's not your destination. But if you allow yourself to be a complainer, you allow yourself to not be in that moment, you allow yourself not to listen to God, you're going to lose out on his best work in your life. The scripture for me when fear came in was just that, wait a minute, fear is not of God. In fact, the Timothy in another scripture, it's a CEV. I love this because, I, you know, it's just, it, it speaks raw to me. It says, God's spirit doesn't make cowards out of us. Okay. Come on now. Yeah, 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 yeah. You like that one better, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm not a coward. I'm not a coward. Now, now, mind you, that moment can make you cowardice, as it did for me. When fear came in and invaded that moment, I was like, oh, man. Oof. Like I suddenly, like, like I, I, I switched things. I made the word of man stronger than the word of God. And I had to get back. I had to bring the word of God back because the word of God is above everything. Amen? Amen. Now, fear, some of us know the acronym, is false evidence appearing real. Everybody got that? It's false evidence appearing real. Why is it false evidence? Because it has no basis. It has no facts for us to dispute it, right? And so I want to take us really quick to 1 Kings chapter 19. There's a story there about this prophet by the name Elijah. Now, if you know anything about the Bible, Elijah just appears. And a prophet is a man chosen by God to deliver an unadulterated message that he gives. God gives the prophet the message. He doesn't edit it. He brings it to the people. And oftentimes when a prophet showed up into a place, the people were like, are you for us or against us? Because normally when a prophet showed up or when he spoke, it was him trying to get us back to God. But he had to address our worship that wasn't directed to God. Everybody got that? Right? Like there was a different worship. So the prophet would come in and say, hey man, listen, you guys are worshiping the wrong God. Amen? So when Elijah showed up on the scene, that's what he was doing. He was telling this to the people. Now the king at that time was Ahab. And if you know anything about the kings of Israel, they were all bad. Ahab was the worst. He married this woman by the name of Jezebel. Okay? 
when someone calls you a Jezebel, it's not a, it's not a compliment, okay? But she had convinced them and they had erected all these false uh, uh, images of this God by the name of Baal, B-A-A-L. Not Yahweh, not the king of kings, not the creator of the heavens and earth, not, you see where I'm going? So they had this false God thing going on, and when Elijah showed up on the scene, he continuously berated them for what they were doing, so much so that they, they, wanted, you know, they wanted to kill him. And they would send people to try to find him, and every time he said, oh, I'm here, they would, he would leave, he would move. And finally, and I love this about him, and I'm just paraphrasing, he was very bold, very brazen, because he shows up at his door, you looking for me? <laughs> like seriously, straight up, he just, you looking for me? And Ahab goes on and tells him, yeah, I'm looking for you because, you know, you've been doing this stuff and let me tell you what you've been doing. He said, whoa, 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 let me tell you what you've been doing. The God who placed you on your throne, you haven't been worshiping. You've been worshiping another God. In fact, your wife has hired all these prophets to, 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 to offer ceremonies and traditions unto this false God. And I'm here to let you know. And then what he does, and I love this about him, he says, you know what, let's, let's have this challenge. Let's meet on this hill and we'll, you know, pray to God, call down fire to consume this um, um, tree here, you know, and, 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 um, and you could bring your 450 prophets and they can call out to their God and I'll call out to my God and whoever does that, that's the true God. And it's great. I'm telling you it's great because what happens is, I want to get through this quickly. What happens is that the, they meet at this hill and the 450 prophets, yo, they are weeping. They are crying. They are ripping at their, you know, outfits. God, bring down fire. Like they're just going crazy, sweating themselves until they're all collapsing. And, and Elijah, he's sitting there going, oh. Hey, maybe your God is on vacation. Maybe your God is sleeping. How many of us know that when you make an image out of your hands, it has ears and cannot hear, eyes and cannot see, a mouth and cannot talk, hands that cannot touch. Our God hears, sees, speaks, and touches us. And he does that, and, and they're just going crazy. And all of a sudden, he stops, they finish, he calls, he speaks to God, simple prayer, boom, God shows up. Everybody that's there witnessing, he says, you see, those are false gods. The people grab knives and they go kill all these people. Gets back to Jezebel. Jezebel says, man, I want that guy. I want that guy dead. Like she's going crazy, throwing dishes and everything. I want him dead. You know what he does? Let me tell you what he does. It says here, Verse 4, chapter 19, 1 Kings. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came, sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. He said, it is enough now, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my father's. Pause. Bro, you just called down fire from heaven. You just experienced the power and presence of God. And the minute that you find yourself in this place where your life is threatened, 
rather than running to God, you run away. Why? Because he was afraid. It's a natural emotion, guys. Being comfortable, uncomfortable, from the known to the unknown. This place of barrenness and wilderness, your life being threatened. These are real things. And fear would invade these moments. But this is what I love about this part. Because when God shows up, he's not screaming and yelling at him. He's not telling him, no, you forgot? You forgot what I did for you? You forgot that I've been there for you? He says, then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. Listen to me. He woke up to the aroma of fresh bread. <laughs> you ever pass that Spanish bakery and that bread comes out of the oven? Come on now, Puerto Ricans. Come on now. That's the one thing they used to send me to get all the time, that hot bread. And in Puerto Rico, the truck will come around with the milk in the, you know, in the glass bottle and the truck, the guy with the hot bread and that thing that he had with the heater, and I would go there and the bread never made it home. <laughs> never made it home. And I used to get such a beating. I got smart. I started to get two breads. Make sure my grandma got one. But it was so delicious. Listen to me. God doesn't come at him. Our loving and caring God, realizing that he is fearing for his life and that he is believing false evidence that appears real because it's not real. He goes on and says, you know, uh, so he ate and drank and lay down again and the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. God knows that these moments are too great for you. But he's there for us to make sure that we're getting nourished and we're getting prepared for the next leg of our journey. Because between the then and there, there is this barrenness, this wilderness. But as you can see here, this guy was afraid. Wound up hiding. In fact, he utters the same words we heard before. Man, he prayed that he might die, take my life. Are you kidding me? Is that the solution? Because it is for some people, isn't it? People who are not listening to this, people who are not experiencing the love of God on a regular basis, that seems to be an out for some people. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. I was alone before, but now with this pandemic, I'm not only alone, but I'm lonely. Nobody comes knocking at my door. If they do, they knock and they run and leave stuff at the door. He utters these words for him to die. And God shows up to say, nah, that's not the plan I have for you. That's not why you're here. And he goes on to have that conversation. He says, okay, I'm going to nourish you. I'm going to take care of you. And then Elijah goes on to say, you know, because he wakes him again and God says, what are you doing in verse 9? What are you doing here? And a lot of times we got to ask ourselves, why am I here? Why am I in this place? What is it that God wants to do at this moment in my life? What is it that he's trying to reveal to me at this moment? Because God is a God of revelation. And the only way for transformation to happen is when we get that revelation, when that word becomes ours. Like that word I just asked you to read three times. Don't forget it. Fear is not of God. And God didn't give you fear. He gave you love. Right? That's what he gave us. He gave us a sound mind. Amen? 
And he goes on to say this, and God has to correct him, right? Because he says in verse 10, I'm zealous for you, God. I've been serving you, God. I, I've, been, I've been doing everything you asked me to, God. But the children of Israel, they've forsaken you. You know, they, 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 they tore down your altars and, and they're killing, you know, prophets with the sword. And then he goes on and says this, I alone am left and they seek to take my life. If you read this story earlier, there's a young man by the name of Obadiah who slowly but surely, as Jezebel's going crazy and doing all this stuff, killing the prophets of God, he's taking 50 at a time, 100 at a time, and he's hiding them in caves, and he's feeding them and keeping them safe. But Elijah, like you and I in this moment, sometimes we feel alone. We feel that there's nobody that can help us. Nobody that's with us. And I'm telling you, that's so far from the truth because not only in this story, God corrects him later on. He tells him, yo, I got 7,000 prophets that I got hiding. You're not the only one. You're not the only one. You forgot, Elijah. You let fear invade this moment. And rather than reminding yourself of God's power, presence, provision in your life and his protection in your life, you reverted back to what your flesh told you what the circumstances revealed to you, and your faith died at that moment. So, I'll leave you with this. When fear invades that moment, let faith arise. Let faith arise. Because faith is resting in the promises of God. This here and now is not your destination. This is not, this is the way we are right now. But there's a there that's promising. There's a there that's better than this moment. But here's what I do know. We ask God for a lot of blessings. We do. We are in a materialistic, capitalistic society, and we want things. And we think that God is Santa Claus. And we can ask him for all these things. But here's what God knows. All of you cannot hit the lotto. Because although he's taken us out of Egypt, there's a lot of Egypt still in us. So a million dollars is not going to help you. It may take you on a fatal run. So there are things that God has to do inside of us to prepare us for that blessing to prepare us for whatever God has for us. And just be mindful of this. A lot of times we pray for things, and they may not happen as quickly as you want them to. But through everything, God is always sustaining you. God is always keeping you. So, again, when fear invades that moment, let faith arise. Let it be stirred up. Remind at that moment that God is with you and God is for you. Because if anything I know is that I'm a child of God and my father is not just good, he's a good, good father. Come on now. He's a good, good father. He's a good, good father. Amen? So at this moment, I want us all to stand on our feet 
We're going to worship. I believe that we should always leave this place with not only God's word, but with worship. Celebrating what God is doing and reminding us who he is.